do? What would he say? What would he want us to do? To define that, I want you to read with me Mark chapter 12, verses 30, 28 through 34. This is how we want to measure our campus and how we would like you to measure yourself. This is at the end of Jesus' life. He's being tested. This is the last week of his life. This is wave after wave of opposition and challenge. This third wave on this Wednesday of Passion Week, a lawyer comes to him. Not just a normal lawyer, a religious lawyer, a man who was an expert in the law. And he presents a question to Jesus that was a common question that was wrestled with among those who considered the law of God as given through Moses. This is the question. Listen to Jesus' answer. Verse 28, Mark 12, and one of the scribes, that's the legal expert, came and heard them arguing. This is the debate that had just preceded regarding the future and whose wife is she and the nature of God. And they didn't get who God was and they didn't get, as you will see, what really matters to God. And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing, debating, and recognizing that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him, what commandment is foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Singular commandment, but three aspects, these. Which is foremost? Which one is? But there are three that he notes. So this is a triad of perspective about what matters to God. What made Jesus unique is no other rabbi had ever done this. They had not linked these things together. These triad of pursuits and priorities. Now, Dr. Keller's going to talk about the third one on Friday. I want to talk about the first two today. And then the, listen to what the scribe says, verse 32. And the scribe said to him, Right, teacher, you have truly stated that he, referring to God, is one, and there's no one else besides him to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. I want you to notice what he just said. A, you're right. B, what you've said exceeds all worship forms and expressions that you can have in a formal way. You can offer whole burnt offerings, totally consumed in honor of God. You can offer sacrifices where it would be shared with the priest and the family and the offerer. You can go through the religious prescribed activities, but they don't equal what this equals. This exceeds it all. Right, teacher. Verse 34, and when Jesus saw that he had intelligently The word intelligently means he used his head. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now listen, you can know these things and not be in the kingdom of God. You can know every one of these things. You can agree with these things and not be in the kingdom of God. Because it's more than knowing these things. It's owning these things. 
It's living these things. Priority number one. Let me give you the high priority that by which we want to measure our semester, and we'd like you to measure your life. Christian culture, campus culture, job one, foremost of all. When Jesus used the word foremost, pratas, he's saying at the top of the chart, nothing exceeds this. You miss at this, you miss. You fail at this, you fail. You may have a great academic year, you may have a great athletic year, you may exceed your expectations in art or theater or music. You may have the time of your life But if God were to say what's most important, at the top of that is this. Number one, acknowledge God as God and treat Him as God alone. Job one in a Christian culture is to consistently and constantly acknowledge the God as God and as God alone and then to treat Him that way. I want you to notice what it says in verse 29, the foremost is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is called the Shema. The Shema comes from the Hebrew word hear. Shema is the Hebrew word hear. Hebrew Israelites were to quote this morning and evening. The declaration and the acknowledgement that God is our God. Jehovah, our God, Elohim, our, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Now, when he says the word one, it's, it's collective one, re- re- reflecting the Trinity. Our God, unlike the other gods, which are many and numerous, we have one God, Jehovah. Our God is Elohim, Plurality in unity. He's one. And he's unique like no other. Acknowledge God as God and treat him as one of a kind. Listen to Nehemiah 9, where the uh, keepers of the tabernacle and the leaders of worship really reflected this acknowledgement. Thou alone art the Lord, verse 6. Nehemiah 9, Thou alone art the Lord, Thou hast made the heavens. You alone are the Lord, the heaven of heavens with all their host you have made, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. Thou dost give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you because you are the Lord. Here's what a Christian campus should look like. It should be characterized by a group of believers who acknowledge God as God all day, every day. You are God alone. I am not God. You are God alone. Academics are not God. You're God alone, and my athletics are not God. You are God alone, and my friends are not God. You are God alone, and my girlfriend or boyfriend, they're not God. I am going to acknowledge, this is most important to God, that you treat him as God, your God, God alone. And the other meaning of the word one is not just collective unity, but first and foremost. You are first, and I will treat you as you deserve to be treated. God is unique, 
and you're to value him uniquely. You're to treat him first and foremost above all things. Here's what a Christian campus begins with. What's most important of all, I'm going to treat you like God because you are God. Hey, over every door, both outside door and inside doors of a Jewish home, there was a little cylinder, a leather pouch, and in it were were these words. As a reminder, why? Because we forget God is God. He's to be acknowledged as God. He's to be constantly treated as God. Not me, not you, not that, but Him. If you understand that, would you say amen? What matters to God? God matters to God. What did Jesus say was most important? Treat God as God, really. Well, if you're going to treat God as God, really, what are you going to do? You're going to love God as He deserves and desires which is why you have the connector in verse 30. And if you really do acknowledge God as God, one of a kind, unique, then you will treat Him as one of a kind and unique. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let me give you some general observations. What matters to God? You love God like God deserves and desires to be loved. You don't just acknowledge Him. You love Him. I want to point out a few kind of general perspectives about this before I give you some highlights. Number one, I want you to notice the word love. Love is a relational word. Love is a word which reflects special devotion, the highest affection. It is the pinnacle of human expression of value, worth, and treasure. It is the highest affection, but biblical love involves committed action. It's not just how I feel about God. It's the way I act as it relates to God. Love is the highest affection with a committed action. Agapao, the Greek word, has to do with affection which gives birth to intelligent, purposeful, committed action. Love. Second thing I want you to notice. Love God with. See the word with? It's a Greek preposition ex, E-X. means out of. Love God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind, out of your strength. X has to do with a source inside out. This is loving God, not hollow, not shallow, not lips, but from the heart, out of, inside out. Not hollow, not shallow, not fake, not churchianity, not religious activity. This is not outside, this is inside. This is not plastic, it's real. Listen, don't just conform to the culture. Have a heart for God, even as you acknowledge God. It flows from the inside out. Number, t- number three, the word all. All is everything. It's intensity. It's comprehensive. It's all in. Talk about radical. This is radical. This is everything you've got. This is full on. This is nothing held back. 
And look, our culture, and even your generation, can be radical about a lot of things. All in. What does God want most? He wants you radically all in. Acknowledging Him and loving Him. Not partial, not sometime, not part-time. All on. Honoring love is whole life love. It's not just Sundays, Wednesdays, chapels, classes. It's all in. Number four, another general observation, your. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. It's personal. It's individual. Your is a possessive pronoun. It's personal. It's not about what the person does next to you. It's what you do. You could say, well, they don't. This is not for them. This is for you. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Let me give you four quick things coming out of this passage. How God deserves and desires to be loved. Love God with all your heart. This is with an all-in resolution. An all-in resolution of your heart. What does God deserve and desire? He desires an all-in commitment of your heart. The Hebrew word for heart has to do with the moral center of your, your humanity, your control center, your will. Sometimes we use the word heart, it can have to deal with feeling. That's the word soul. Soul has to do with your passions. This has to do with the moral, ethical control center of your life. This has to do with a willful choice that says, I, all in, choose to love you. This is a commitment. This is a decision. The heart is where you decide. I choose to love you. Let me illustrate. You know what the difference is between dating and marriage? Dating is... I'm experimenting. It's on probation. I might choose to love you. I'm not sure. Marriage is, I'm sure, I'm resolved, I'm committed. It's until death do us part, love. I'm about to do my fourth wedding this summer in just a couple of weeks. No wedding have I done did the people say, hey, I'm in this as long as I like this. I'm committed to you if circumstances go well or if the situation works out. No marriage that I've been a part of included words that sounded probationary, but rather committed, resolved. The kind of love God deserves and desires isn't conditional love. It's not fair-weather love. If things are working out, love. This is an all-in resolution of my heart. It's not wait and see love. It's I'm in. I'm committed. Now here's my question for you. If you're going to do what's most important to God, it involves I'm committed to God. I'm resolved. This is my intention and my commitment. That's why obedience flows out of it. If you're committed to love God, you're committed to obey God. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. All in. 
It is an act of the mind and of the will. It may include strong emotion, but its distinguishing characteristics are dedication and commitment of choice. Let me tell you what Christian culture is. I'm resolved in my heart to love God culture. Hey, listen, being a Christian isn't easy. Things aren't always going to work out. You're going to have setbacks and challenges. Are you committed with an all-in resolution of the heart? That's what God deserves. That is what he desires. It is the foremost of all. Number two, love God with an all-you've-got expression of your soul or passion of your soul. Not just an all-in resolution of the heart, but an all-you've-got passion of your soul. The word soul comes from suke, breath. It can be related to the breath of life. In our culture, we would call something that is from our soul, soul music, or this is life to me. This is my passion. Suke has to do with the deepest you, your core, your, your emotions, your feelings, your desires, your passions, your dreams. You at the core. Love me with that. What is life to you? What is your greatest passion? What matters the most to you? What do you get up thinking about? What do you go to bed dreaming about? What are you targeting today? Do you know what God would say? I want that to be me. I want your greatest passion to be for me. You'll hear athletes say it. Man, basketball's my life. You'll hear entertainers say it. Music is my life. Christians should say, God is my life. You see why it's not a lifestyle. It's a soul-heart style that says, I love you more than anything. What brings tears to your eyes? What inflames your soul? God says, I want that to be me. I'll tell you, there's some things that can interrupt that, and I really want to encourage you as your campus pastor to pay attention to this. What inhibits that kind of passion? Well, certainly sin inhibits that kind of passion. Sin has a numbing, disconnecting effect on your heart. If you want to have passion for God, you can't choose sin and have that passion. It'll numb you. The Bible facilitates passion for God. Psalm 19, the Bible refreshes and restores your soul. It energizes and engages spiritually your heart. Now listen, you can read it and not get anything. I'm talking about engaged with the Scriptures. Christian music, the Psalms can energize and inflame your heart. And Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship is cardinal to cultivating Christian passion. And being with people that are in opposition to a passion for God is deadly to your passion for God. Listen, if I'm a graduate of UCLA, I'm not going to the USC football party. 
There's nothing about that environment that's going to inflame my heart for my team. And some of us are inclined to hang out with individuals that aren't going where we want to be going or doing what we want to be doing. Christian fellowship supports and facilitates passion for God. Well, let me continue. Number three. What else? You have an all-in resolution of the heart, an all-in or all-on passion of your soul, or an all-out passion of your soul, and thirdly, an all-on intention of your mind. Love God with all your mind. Dia noia, noios is mind, dia is intensive, deep thoughts. Not shallow or superficial Christianese, but real thoughts, intellectual thoughts. Mind involves the intellect, your thoughts, your reasoning. This has to do with loving God by knowing and seeking to know more about Him. This is reading, reflecting, studying, meditating, writing, and remembering. This is dedicating your mind to the knowledge of God. This is dedicating your mind to knowing God through the Scripture and learning from others who know God and the Scripture. Love is not blind affection. It is informed by truth, passion. The um, challenge we have in our culture involves being present and being tuned in and turned on. Study after study is going on today with the challenge of a 24-hour news cycle and technology. The buzz on your phone, the interruption of your smartphone or computer, the attention span, the average attention span in the year 2000 was 12 seconds. The average attention span two years ago was 8 seconds. The average attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. (laughs) People who do relational studies say there are two big challenges to all communication, which is 80% of your life. It is being present and paying attention. PhD Jack Bennett said, giving someone our full undivided attention is fundamental fundamental to business and interpersonal relationships. Being present with somebody, listening to what they have to say and not just waiting for your turn to speak, really getting the person, understanding what they're telling you and why, that's how connections are formed. Now, parallel that and translate that to relationship with God. I've got to be turned in, turned on, paying attention, fully present. My mind has to be engaged. When Jesus says God wants you to love him with your mind, he wants you to focus with your mind. Dedicate your mind. Be present. Pay attention. There's a bazillion distractions. Turn on your mind. Let me just add one other kind of shepherdly comment. Protect your mind. Protect your mind. Not just dedicate your mind, but protect your mind. Loving God with all your mind involves loving Him by promoting His honor and truth in your mind and with your mind. Be careful of what you put in your mind. Images, music, art, books, things that compete with and combat 
the things of God. Don't trade away rich thoughts for corrupt thoughts for the sake of entertainment. Loving God with all your mind must include keeping it pure, avoiding the deceptions of the world. Watch what you watch. Listen, this is not legalism. This is loving. If you love God, you want to love the things that matter to God. If the truth matters to God, love the truth and don't listen to or watch things that compete and combat that. Number four. Love God with an all-out effort of your life. Love God with all your strength. The Greek word for strength involves exertion. Strength has to do with effort. This is the word used, study to show yourself approved. Um, the word study to show yourself approved as a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed means put, to put forth every effort to the point of pain. Athletes do it all the time. Some students do it. But few Christians do it. Give all you've got. This is sweating effort. This is breathing hard effort. This is all you've got effort. This is not sprints at half speed. This is whatever it takes effort. If you love somebody, you're willing to make an effort to express that love, right? I mean, I remember last year in Crossroads, um, down at Grace Community Church, our college and young adult ministry, I remember we had one couple stand up describing their engagement And the guy getting engaged was a fireman, and he wrote a book and had it published called The Fireman and the Princess. And when he got engaged to his girl, he gave her the book that he had written, published, and illustrated. Dude, that's effort. (laughs) You know the Taj Mahal, you know, with a crown of palaces according to the Board of Architects? took 21 years to build $827 million. Over 20,000 craftsmen and artisans. Some guy loved his favorite wife. He had many. (laughs) He built this thing for her. We call it the Taj Mahal. It's really an ivory mausoleum because that's where she's buried. You know what love does? It invests. Love does, you know what love does? It works. Because love loves. Here's the measure of true Christian community. Do you love me with a commitment of your soul that says I'm all in in and I'm resolved? For better or for worse, I'm with you. It's an all-out passion that says this is life to me. This is not just one of the things circulating around the core of my life. This is the core of my life. This is Christianity. It's about God. And it's about loving God as the core passion of our life. It's about having our head turned on, knowing Him and investing in knowing more about Him. Some of us know more about a lot of things than we know about the God that we love. This is studying him. Love me with all your mind. 
protect your mind, put good stuff in your mind, advance in your knowledge of me. Hey, and give your best effort. All you've got. All in, all on, all out. Love me. That's what matters to me. Not how much you know, although what you know can inform how you live and feel. But I want you to love me from the inside out. Campus culture begins with loving God as God deserves and desires. First and the best. Can you say amen to that? God forbid we become a religious culture and we don't demonstrate true Christianity. This is the master's university for Christ and for Scripture. We're here to raise up a generation of people like you who will know what they believe, who will know why they believe it, and will know how to live it out in love. That's our prayer, and that's our passion, and that's where we're going, to be like Christ and to love God like Christ loved God. Jesus said, you'll know that I love the Father because I do exactly as he commands. That's our passion, to please him. Can you say amen? amen? All right. The best way to cultivate a love for God is to cultivate a knowledge of how God has loved you. We love God because he first loved us. Here's an assignment, me to you. In your devotions, start a list. You loved me by. And just write it down. You loved me by choosing me before the foundation of the world. You loved me by leaving heaven on my behalf. You loved me by becoming a sin sacrifice for me. You loved me. Let his love for you propel you in loving him. Father, thank you for our time this morning. Our new year sits before us. We do want to say that we've focused on and pursued the things that matter most to you. Lord, we want to acknowledge you as God alone. You're the first, you're the best, nothing compares with you. You're the creator, you're the life giver, you're the rescuer, you're the transformer. God, you're the promise maker, you're God, and we are not, and nothing else is but you. You are God alone. Help us to love you in a way that acknowledges that. All in, all on, and all out, because you first loved us. In Jesus' name.